Chapter Sixteen of Kilgloom Park by Neil Boynton S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Sixteen Wounded Ankle. Angelo Daly, his mending ankle stretched out straight ahead on the support of his wheelchair, was engaged in a strange occupation. Rather, he had been for the past fifteen minutes. He held a cane that originally had been ringed at the park cane rack. To the end of it was attached a string with a catnip mouse. This bait he would cast on the floor of the screen porch of the daily private apartments, and troll along in approved fisherman's style. There were always three fish who jumped joyously out of the shadows behind the chair to be hooked by the wounded fisherman. The one with the black spots was Smudge, the all-white one was Snowball, and the third a tiny cool black replica of ferocity who had been christened junior days before his eyes looked out on kilgloom park look out you poor fish warned angelo as junior too strenuously pounced on the bait and broke the string it's easy to see that you have your daddy's gentle disposition junior i'll bet a hershey bar if i could eat another one that you'll be a bigger bully than your dad ever was and that's no compliment he concluded as he watched the three kittens riot over the cloth mouse with the entrancing smell. Angela reached as far over the edge of his wheelchair as he dared, but the kittens unconsciously played out of danger. Finally, Angelo gave up in disgust the efforts to retrieve his bait, and wheeled his chair along the screen porch. From his new position, Angela had a fine view of the Ferris wheel, revolving slowly with its passengers peering out the car windows. It was over a weary week since Angelo had sprained his ankle, falling from that amusement device. Now the shut-in looked at the cause of his woe and disgust. The yellow and red striped car that was named Denver swung slowly into view, and Angelo's face twisted into a darker look. Next time I ride in you, I take a good alarm clock along. You old Denver car, you. This observation seemed to remind Angelo of something instantly important. He wheeled his chair around till the small twin taillights and the last year's auto-tag that he had affixed to the rear of the chair came into view. Then he straightened his auto and shouted, Honk, honk! Hey, you crazy pedestrians! You look out for this taxi driver! Honk, honk! The warning went unheeded by the lively trio till the taxi was almost on top of them. Like an exploding bomb, the kittens leaped to safety, and Angelo grinned. But not for long. Cole Black Jr. had sprung directly at the car, and catching his claws in the cloth bandage that covered the boy's tender ankle, dug in. The ensuing yell brought Mother Daly on the run from an inner room. Merciful heaven, honey! I thought you had fallen off the porch. What is wrong? I'll tell you, Mom. It's this, this young stick of dynamite here. Angela reached down and grabbed Junior Ferocity by the scruff of his cold black neck. The kitten dangled helplessly, emitting plaintive meows. This son of ferocity just attempted to assassinate me. That's all, Mom. He's got claws sharper than his dad's. And believe me, Captain will not need more park guards next season when Junior gets his growth. Well, leave the innocent kittens here in the sunshine and come in and take your nap. It's time. Naps heal wounded ankles, soothed Mother Daly. Naps in the afternoon make me sick, murmured Angelo. But he knew by the past week's experiences that whether they did or not, he had to take them. Without his mother's preferred aid, he wheeled his chair to the porch door. I can drive this car alone, Mom, he explained. Just give me a come-on signal like a nice traffic cop. 
Mother Daly obligingly impersonated an officer, and as Angelo's left hand was extended, she motioned him to make the necessary left turn into the corridor. Pleasant day, officer, he smiled, and added the bit of advice. It's always a good idea to say a kind word to one of that kind of policemen. You never know when they are liable to give you a ticket, and, maybe, they won't if they know you personally. That's what Mike, who drives Cap's car, tells me, and he ought to know. He's gotten enough tickets. With this observation behind him, Angelo drove his machine along the corridor to his room. What's the need of having parking lights on while in motion? Mother Daly inquired as she caught sight of the red tail lights. Oh, are they? I was parked on the porch fishing, and I forgot to shut them off. Angela reached for the homemade switch, and the taillights went dead. At his own room, he backed the car into the curb and re-switched on the parking lights. Then, with his mother's aid, he hopped into his room and stretched out on his bed. I'm all right, Mom, but I think I'll need a little, sort of a double portion of strawberry ice cream in about half an hour. You know, Mom, that's the very best medicine for a sprained ankle. You ask any kid if it isn't. Mother Daly did not commit herself as she withdrew from her younger son's room. Angela closed his eyes dutifully till his mother's footsteps were inaudible. Then he sat up and looked around. His room was a small one that caught the morning sunshine. Pennants and interesting ads and posters covered the walls. The place of honor over his desk was covered with a blue banner on which in gray letters was printed Georgetown Prep. Several smaller Coney Island pennants acted as a guard of honor to the banner of G.T.'s present and Angelo's future prep. Fordham's maroon, Notre Dame's blue and gold, and Holy Cross's purple occupied the opposite wall. Below these desirable pennants were, left to right, a popular bread ad of a healthy-looking youngster accepting another slice of bread and jam. Angelo always said this boy of the bread ad reminded him of Chubby. Coney Island's famous saltwater taffy proclaimed the next ad. Then the simple decoration in black letters, three inches high, best red hots on the island, occupied the succeeding space. It was closely followed by a triangular ad with Quince Candy Kitchen headline on it. But when the owner of this den swept his gaze to the bedside of the room, there was a violent change in sentiments and pictures. It was like stepping from a busy restaurant into a quiet chapel. A framed picture of a watching guardian angel hung over the foot of the bed. Then chambers beautiful, the light of the world, the Christ child looked gravely down, and hanging next to it was Marillo's Immaculate Conception. Whenever Angelo woke in the night, he would look up at his favorite holy pictures. Then he would sleepily murmur a Hail Mary and drift off into dreamless slumber. Now Angelo turned to look at the pictures of his patrons, and his hand dropped over the edge of the bed. Something soft rubbed against it, and the boy reached and lifted Junior Ferocity onto his bosom. The cool black kitten curled up and began to purr contentedly. He was evidently accustomed to sleeping there. Out of a refreshing sleep, Angelo heard Claude Hazard's voice, and he sat up dislodging the black kitten. Sure, I'm awake. Let him come in, Mom. Angelo called out when he heard his mother's request for quiet. There was a scampering along the hallway, and next second Buddy was leaping into his master's bed. The small monkey saw the black kitten, who had bent himself into a luxurious half-circle. Deliberately, he reached out a paw and yanked Junior's tail. Things happened quicker than in the movies. The black kitten spun indignantly around and spit and clawed at the violator of his person. Buddy chattered and leaped out of harm's way onto the pillow. 
Unfortunately, Angelo interposed a hand and received an angry scratch from Junior Ferocity. Ouch! You get right out of my room, Junior. You're, you're worse than Ferocity, you. Like his formidable dad, the cool black kitten retreated in good order, and Buddy chattered his derision. Angelo turned on his pet monkey and scolded. And you, what did you mean by pulling that innocent kitten's tail? How would you like it if I did the same to you? Oh, you don't like that? Well, shut up then and come here. Peace was restored as Claude Hazard appeared in the doorway. He carried two heaping plates of strawberry ice cream. Put them right there and go back for your own, said Angelo, dislodging Buddy from his bosom. I've been waiting for an hour or two for something like that. You get one with the compliments of the restaurant. It's fresh as, as that black kitten of yours. You almost tripped me up out there in the hallway. Well, give me mine. Oh, you mean Junior. Yes, he's worse than fresh. Just a minute, buddy. Where's your manners? This tastes right. A couple of more quarts of this stuff daily, and my wounded ankle will be okay again before Mardi Gras week. Angelo dug in, and Claude did likewise, seated on the edge of the desk. Buddy kept up a continuous bagging act. When the plates were empty, Angela whistled and invited, Rats, rats, rats! There was a pounding along the hallway, and the three kittens, plus their father and mother, tore into the invalid's room. Here, you dishwashers, get busy. See if you can find any cream left on Claude's plate. There's a little teeny bit on the southeast corner of mine. Ferocity and his family went into a huddle around Angela's plate. Buddy showed deep interest and dropped to the floor, but prudently he rose to the bed when Ferocity growled and his cool black son spit venomously. Nice example you are showing to your children, you Ferocity, chided Angelo. But the cat family finished their dishwashing without any further simian interruption. In fact, the next interruption was the arrival of Chubby Kramer and G.T. to inquire about the invalid's progress. I'm all right, Chubb. Angelo told the stop boy. I'm not so sure the Ferris wheel is. What do you mean? There's a big dent in the roof of the engine room. Looks like that comet sideswiped it the night of the fire. Looks like a shell hole, G.T. smiled. Well, I did hit it a wallop, confessed Angelo. That was before I bounced off. Yes, one of the big supports of the wheel is all twisted, just the way a plane looks in the movies when it's made a forced landing on somebody's backyard. Oh, it is not, Angelo denied. I'll be able to go out and look the day after tomorrow. You're lucky if you see any of the Mardi Gras week after next. This reminded G.T. of something. Just wait till you see the float the park is to have in the nightly parades. It's the best one we have had yet. What's it going to represent? I think it is some scenes from the life of ferocity, Chubby told Angelo. Well, cat, Angelo addressed his coal black pet directly, there are a lot of crimes in your dark past that will never be represented on that float. Float? You mean they'd sink, put in Claw with a wry smile. That's all right from Angelo. He's a harmless invalid. But any more wisecracks like that from you, Claudie, Chubby threatened, and... The stout boy doubled up his fist and shook it. His eye caught sight of the empty cage in the corner of Angelo's room. Say, wounded ankle, what became of your choir boy mice that Wish Craig gave you when he finally had to leave for home? You mean my singing mice? Well, there's what became of them, over there licking his chops. I was parched on the screen porch when it happened. 
Angelo stretched an index finger at Ferocity, who was lying lazily on the floor, letting the kittens romp about him. There's the complete choir container. Poor Wish, commiserated G.T. He tried hard enough to stretch his visit till after Mardi Gras, but his Aunt Polly threatened to send the Washington G-men after him if he did not come right home. Anyway, added Chubb, Wish was able to stretch a two-weeks visit into an eight-weeks one. He was wishing the night you got hurt, Angelo, that it had been his ankle. And I wish it was, too. Angelo thought of something. Say, G.T., you tell the boss carpenter, or whoever is making the Kilgloom Park Mardi Gras flight, to come and see me. I can give him some pointers for a dandy scene. But, shucks, I'm sure to be parked here all Mardi Gras week, having to hear the accounts from you fellows. Don't you believe a word of that sad story, Angelo, corrected Chubby. I know you better than the doctors do, and I'll bet half my season's salary, if I still had it, you don't miss a Mardi Gras night. You never missed anything good yet around this old park. Well, then maybe I'm not going to begin missing anything now, Angelo reassured himself. Here Mother Daly appeared in the doorway and called. Visiting hours are over. We can take a hint, Mother cried G.T. rising. Are these animals visitors? They are not, I am glad to say. Buddy here is the best boy I have. Oh, what a knock, cried Angelo in mock horror. End of chapter 16 Recording by Maria Therese